Welcome football fans. Buckle up for another hard-hitting episode of Let's Talk XFL, the only podcast solely focused on the XFL. From a sunny Southwest Florida studio, here's your host Michael Lathrop. Hello football fans. This is episode 30. Brace yourself. Incoming announcement. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Royal Retros by 503 Sports. Royal Retros are the king of throwbacks. Royal Retros by 503 Sports provides a line of merchandise from legendary defunct leagues such as the XFL 1.0. If you've always wanted to get yourself a quality Las Vegas Outlaws He Hate Me or Los Angeles Extreme Tommy Maddox jersey, perhaps even an OG XFL's team's t-shirt, we have you covered. Simply click on the link provided in the show's description and notes and enter the code LETSTALKXFL at checkout to receive 10% off your purchase. This past week, we did not receive much from the XFL. However, there are a few developments worth discussing. There has been an abundance of discussion within the XFL community in regard to the XFL's agreement with Disney. There have even been unconfirmed financial figures circulating. To help sift through the rumor mill, Later in the show, I will be joined by media partnership professional Seth Lessons to address the XFL-Disney agreement a bit further. But first, we have those XFL developments to cover. So let's get to it. On May 23rd, Randy Carwrecker provided some details for the XFL's June 1st announcement during the Carewrecker and Solomon show on 101 ESPN. Here is the show segment. It is now time for... Ray, we love our sports here in St. Louis. We, we do. live and die with the Cardinals, the Blues. What if we had another football team into the mix? Oh, that'd be fun. That's right. Kakaw? Question mark. So we know that the XFL had reached a multi-year agreement with the XFL to air all of their games, including the playoffs, with ESPN. A lot of things happening there. We know head coaches have been assigned. Uh, We don't know the cities yet, but we do know that St. Louis and the Dome had reserved some spring 2023 dates in hopes that the Battlehawks would, in fact, be returning to St. Louis. And Randy, you let us know over the weekend that you may have some information about the Battlehawks' potential return to St. Louis. Let us know what's up. My information is that the league will announce their cities and teams and logos on June 1st, and the Battlehawks will be part of the new XFL with The Rock and with Danny. And a couple of interesting things. Number one, you mentioned that they've already named their coaches, and apparently Anthony Becht is the inside favorite to become the head coach here in St. Louis, former St. Louis Rams tight end. Apparently Jim Haslett is going to wind up in Seattle with that franchise, so Anthony Becht, probably the head coach here, and Another thing that I found interesting is that the league, the USFL is practicing and playing all their games in Birmingham. And while the U- the XFL teams are going to play, for example, the, the Battlehawks will play in the Dome here, they're going to practice in Dallas. And that's a, a way to be more efficient financially. And then travel to where the site is. So if the Battlehawks are, are playing Seattle, here at the Dome, both teams will travel from Dallas to St. Louis to play the game and then go back to Dallas. And that's essentially where the players will live. 
That is interesting. I'm glad that they'll at least be playing games mm-hmm. in their respective cities. However, I I understand that they're looking at this from a cost efficiency standpoint, but one of the great things about the Battle Hawks in their previous iteration was that these guys did live here and they really ingrained themselves into the community. They got a sense of what it was like to be an athlete here in St. Louis. And Kurt Hunzecker did a great job of helping the Battle Hawks do some charity stuff and get involved into the community. But I think that that matters when you live in the city that you play in and you really get a sense of what the sports fans are like there. And that's that's hard when you're only traveling in for games. I agree with that. And I don't know if there is a future plan for each team to have a practice facility that they would work at and have the players available to do community service work in town like the Battle Hawks previous iteration did. But right now, it seems like both leagues, USFL and XFL, they just want to present football for television. Mm -hmm. That's what it looks like to me. And any sport, I'm with you 100%. It's important to have players living in the town. And I think it's really cool when an athlete lives in your town and stays in your town. But we have to also remember that this is a league that it's in its, its nascent stages, right? It's not... This is a completely new league. This has nothing to do with the old XFL. The only thing they have in common is the names and and the name of the league. So hopefully they'll be able to to grow and to thrive. But right now, they just want to save as much money as they can. True, which is important. But think about how cool it is when you're a Battlehawks player and you're doing your grocery shopping and people are yelling, Caca! It's the best. My voice is yep. going today, so I can't really call with... Caca! Thank you, Randy, with great enthusiasm today. But I imagine that there are so many people who have tucked away their Battle Hawks gear in hopes of this day coming mm-hmm. back that are going to buy tickets and they're absolutely going to pack the dome when the Battle Hawks do return. I think it was a very, it hasn't been announced yet, but I think it's a very smart move by the XFL to understand that they have a product that people in St. Louis want to attend and bring it back. And they need to bring back the traditions like the Battle Hawk walk and they need to Embrace Kaka and make sure that they know that everybody knows that Kaka is the law. Kaka is, in fact, the law. Now, Randy, I know you're tied in here with the Battle Hawks information. Any word on the hated Vipers and if they, in fact, will be back? I'm not sure. There's going to be three teams in Texas San Antonio, Houston, and uh, uh, Dallas, obviously. And then you've got St. Louis, Seattle. I could find out for you very quickly whether or not we're going to have the, the hated Vipers. I'll find out for you during this segment. Maybe they're just so terrible and so awful that the XFL didn't even want to bring them back. They, they're they the worst. And, <laughs> you know, Michelle, I know that there's lots of people are offended today, and they should be, that a player had allegedly his life threatened here in St. Louis, a hockey player. But is there any worse fan base than the Tampa Bay Vipers fans? No. I mean, they're just horrific, aren't they? Why would you? Why would anybody want anything to do with a Vipers fan? The good news is, Randy, is there not? There's not many of them. No, there aren't. And let's see if there's going to be any more. I don't know. They're they're terrible. Got to find them. Uh, let's see. One of the great rivalries in St. Louis sports history: the Battlehawks and the Vipers. Yep. Oh. Yeah. So you've got Dallas, you've got Houston, you've got Seattle, you've got San Antonio, you've got Vegas, you've got D.C., and you've got STL. So bye-bye no Vipers. Tampa. So who's going to be our new hated rival? Seattle. I was thinking Dallas. 
Dallas is going to have Houston and San Antonio there. They're not going to care about St. Louis. See, we've got the old Seahawks rivalry. But we That's hate... the one team that we could beat when we were we had the St. Louis Rams. The team was so bad, but we would always lay our head down on our pillow at night and be like, well, they play the Seahawks hard. Yeah. How about Vegas? Mm. I don't hate Vegas. I've had some good times there. I have to make a trip there. Yeah, but... We don't like the uh, Golden Knights. Yeah. I can't believe they wouldn't bring back the stupid Vipers. I know. Useless Vipers. Maybe that's... Oh, there will be a team in Orlando, by the way. Orlando, too. Not Tampa. So maybe Orlando is the team for us to hate. But don't those people suffer enough living in Orlando? Yeah. I don't need to hate them. I think they'd be fun to hate. It's so hot in Orlando. Unbearable. It is. Also, it's, I think it's funny that there's not going to be a uh, Tampa Bay team in the XFL. There is a Tampa Bay team in the USFL, and quarterbacking them to a win over the weekend was Jordan Tamu. Jordan, we need to have him back. He knows Kaka. He knows it's the law. But to sum it all up, Battlehawks returning. I can't do it today, but thank you for doing it again for me. You got it. No problem, Michelle. This makes it clear the XFL will be announcing each of the league's eight cities and teams. During the segment, Carwrecker referred to some sort of written source, which he shared what he claims will be the eight cities for 2023. Dallas, Houston, Las Vegas, Orlando, San Antonio, Seattle, St. Louis, and Washington, D.C. These cities match most of the previously reported leaks. Carwrecker also mentioned Anthony Becht will likely be the head coach of St. Louis. Now we just need to wait and see if these details become a reality on June 1st. Then, on May 24th, the XFL announced a partnership with Novak Kicking and Consulting to run a specialist showcase on October 23rd in San Diego, California. Per the press release, the event will focus specifically on kickers, punters, and long snappers. The showcase will be managed by Novak Kicking and Consulting, allowing XFL coaches and personnel directors to focus on player evaluation for potential inclusion in the 2023 XFL Draft Player Pool. Founder Nick Novak addressed the partnership with the following. I am excited to be working alongside the XFL. Our goal is to find qualified specialists around the country and put them in a position to succeed both on and off the field. I went through at least 50 free agent workouts during my career. I have designed a program that takes the best elements from those workouts and created a system which determines the strengths and weaknesses of each player. Having the XFL provide this platform for up-and-coming specialists is an invaluable opportunity for all. The XFL Senior Vice President of Player Personnel, Doug Whaley, spoke of the partnership, saying, Our coaching staff is excited to evaluate a collection of talented specialists under the direction of Nick and his team. With Nick's experience in the field and an eye for talent, we are confident we will have elite specialists competing at a professional level in the XFL. I believe this is a wise and important move by the XFL. I do not mean to take shots at the USFL. However, specialist positions were an area of concern during the first couple of weeks of their season. The lack of attention to detail in this area of the game was notable. Hopefully, this means the XFL is focused on not cutting corners and getting this portion of the game correct. Then, on May 27th, the Pittsburgh Steelers officially announced Omar Khan as the team's new general manager. The announcement puts an end to the potential departure of XFL Senior Vice President of Player Personnel, Doug Whaley. Now Whaley and the league can move forward without this cloud looming and focus on the upcoming showcases and securing players for the XFL draft. As I have previously mentioned, 
I will now be joined by football fanatic and media partnership professional Seth Lessons to further discuss the XFL's agreement with Disney and the rumors surrounding their partnership. Welcome, Seth. I appreciate you taking the time to join the show to discuss the rumors and likely reality surrounding the XFL's broadcasting agreement with Disney. I'm glad to be here. Before we dive into the Disney XFL broadcasting agreement, rumors, and whatnot, can you take a moment to share with our listeners your background? Sure. So relevant to this, I um, spent a long time in the advertising industry. I spent a long time in the entertainment industry. I've worked for large companies. Some of them I will not name. Some of them, Nintendo, for example, is a big company that I worked for in the past. I've worked in IP and I guess the best way to describe what I did was sort of partner relationships. So with media, with advertisers, heck, even with the YouTube and podcasting community. So, you know, I've been around, I've you know, been there, done that. And then currently I'm working in the software industry as um, uh, what they call the director of client success, which is really two things. It's revenue generation, but really where it matters here, for example, is understanding numbers, right? Understanding trends, um, you know, looking at all the fun surveys and scores and what people are saying to understand the direction of a company and help direct it and move it forward. So everything football related is just a hobby. Perfect. I created this show with a purpose of providing a home solely focused on the XFL, where diehard fans can consume straightforward information pertaining to the league. Back on May 17th, the XFL announced its agreement with the Walt Disney Company and ESPN. The undisputed facts, it is an exclusive five-year deal set to begin in 2023. Each of the XFL's 43 games will be featured on a combination of ABC, ESPN, and FX. It also includes content rights across the Walt Disney and ESPN digital, social, and direct-to-customer outlets such as ESPN+. As for the rumors, I first learned of a deal potentially being worth the $270 million from the XFL-STL talk show on May 17th when Dirty, Arlington, and Will were discussing what Dirty had seen and conveyed to Arlington earlier in the day. Supposedly, for a brief moment, the XFL's online press release included a monetary value of $270 million. Then the league supposedly updated the online format by removing the financial portion. To be fair, their mentioning of the amount and overall discussion did not include any additional information from what is accessible in the current press release. Then on May 25th, I came across another account claiming a different monetary value. The CFL Reddit Twitter handle posted a deal worth $250 million. After I pressed for a source, the account deleted the post. Mm -hmm. Seeing I have uh, not been able to confirm either of these claims, I understand at this moment I am participating in hearsay and speculation. We all are. That being, <laughs> you're not the only one. Yep. Right. Mm -hmm. That being said, we know the agreement must be worth some sort of financial revenue for the XFL. Seth, you have the experience and knowledge pertaining to this area, or most do not. I believe it is important mm -hmm. to address things such as this from different viewpoints, despite having already arranged our interview. Recently, some have accused me of spreading fake news. I accept the role that I played in bringing these rumors to the forefront with hope of creating a dialogue. Now that I put that all out there, 
let's have an honest conversation. What is your expert experience and thoughts on the Disney XFL agreement and these rumors surrounding it? So I wouldn't say you put out fake news. I think anybody, everybody is interested in this. Everybody from a football fanatic in particular, I'm going to use this term affectionately. I call us crazies, right? We're the football diehards. We love the XFL. Many of us, many of your listeners probably also watch the USFL as well. And you probably watch the NFL. I'm going to assume you watch the NFL as well. So, you know, this is a passionate thing for a lot of people and they want to see this succeed. But let me set the stage for a second because I want to give you some insight. So I knew this was going to happen if you if you follow my Twitter account, um, and I can do a plug later if you want. But if you follow my Twitter account, when Danny Garcia posted the image, I knew she was going to be in the upfronts. So I used to work in the advertising industry, like I said. I've got contacts at Disney who are former colleagues of mine. And you know, we knew this was going to happen. We knew this was going to be – we knew it was not going to go to Fox – we knew it was going to be an ESPN exclusive thing. I talked to somebody else who I won't mention names, but they said they also thought the NFL network would buy in. I didn't think that was the case because the partnership between the NFL and the XFL is really one-sided. It's really the NFL using the XFL as a petri dish, and there's nothing wrong with that. So when I, when I knew they were going to be in the upfronts, I knew basically what was going to happen, that it was going to be an XFL announcement. Um, ESPN's a little cagey on their numbers. When they release a media rights deal, they don't always give out their numbers. There have been three really big media rights pushes by ESPN as of late. Only one of them has been confirmed to have any sort of monetary value attached to this. Um, but when I when I read the press release, there were some concerns, some questions that we knew it was a media rights deal. When I started to press a little bit and read what the XFL was posting, you know, quote unquote, partnership deal, right? We knew there was going to be a partnership there. When I saw the quick blurb from some of the ESPN execs over Twitter, again, I started to see the word partnership come out a lot. Uh, I reached out to a friend of mine who works at Disney, and uh, this person basically said that he is sold on the fact that it is a production deal, which doesn't mean the XFL is not going to get any money out of it. It just means that ESPN is structuring the deal to compensate for their initial production first, right? In other words, they want to make their money back on what that's going to cost them to produce the content. And then the rest gets split between the league and television product, ABC, um, you know, FX, all the other companies, and essentially Disney as a whole is probably what I should say to make life easy. So when I heard these numbers, specifically the 54 million per year is what I saw, I think was what CFL Reddit had posted. My first thought was, it seems a little little low, actually, <laughs> um, because if you look at other sports that are, you know, what we call niche, right, lower, you know, lower eyeballs than, say, the NBA, say, you know, NASCAR, say, even the NFL, um, they're commanding a lot more media rights than $54 million a year. I mean, heck, MLS is, you know, $90 million a year. Now, granted, MLS has been around a long time. So it, it's the number seemed off. Now, I, to be crystal clear, I also want to say this. It's not that I don't think there could be a monetary exchange. If they have, they haven't released that information. I doubt ESPN is going to break it out in any earnings call. Um, and I can kind of elaborate on that a little bit more if you like. Uh, but essentially, um, everything that I've been hearing, there's no monetary value tied to this. It is strictly a production deal. And that's the way it was back in 2020. I don't know what an earnings call is. I could assume, you know, I'm fairly intelligent. I can assume, but I don't really know. And I'm assuming most of our listeners don't as well. So if you could take a moment sure. and explain what the earnings call is, I think they would appreciate it. 
So Disney is a private company. They are publicly traded. Uh, and because they're publicly traded, they're required every quarter to release their earnings. Now, talking about breaking out. So I'll give you an example here. Take Apple as a big example. Everybody knows Apple. Um, love them or hate them. They make computers to make iPhones. They don't break out iPhone sales necessarily as a part of their earnings call. The XFL is not required to put out any disclosures. They're you know, controlled by a private equity firm. But Disney, as a publicly traded company, is required to put out a quarterly earnings call. And there may be some information there. As we start to approach the next quarter, the quarter is already ended. I think we're going to wait. I think you're probably going to have to wait till mid-July for that earnings call. But essentially, in July, there's going to be a call that's going to give the quarterly results as to what ESPN is and is doing and all the other Disney properties. Interesting. I know we kind of have posted various things on social media and you had previously mentioned in a tweet that the agreement is more likely that production deal with a valuation up to $300,000 per game. If I remember correctly, a little different actually, but I know what, I think I know where you're going with this, but go ahead. <clears throat> if indeed that is the situation and the game valuation alone could be worth in the upwards of 64 and a half million, give or take with probably about 13 million per year. How would the leagues and networks determine the valuation of exclusive rights for off the field content, such as uh, docu-series and weekday shows and whatnot? Mm-hmm. Well, let me start with that 300,000 number there. That was the number that I put on how much it would cost to produce the gotcha. per game, not the amount of revenue per game. So I did a little math for you and uh, I love, I'm a geek. Okay. So I, I looked at uh, an old XFL game from 2020 and I looked at the USFL as the USFL is, I think the most recent version of this. And I came up with 92 ad inventory slots, right? So I'm going to give you guys a sort of a business lesson one-on-one here, if that's okay. So the way Television is structured is there's something called ad inventory. You've got several 30-second slots that you're trying to sell. Now, not all of them are going to be 30 seconds. You're going to sell a 15. You may sell a 45. You may sell a minute, but you've got 30-second slots. I did the math. I did some counting, and each game came up with 92 total slots. And what that means is they can sell 92 potential advertising just commercials in that spot that are going to command about I'm going to guess around 70,000 per commercial spot. That's what it was back in 2020. I don't think that number is going to go up given the context of what this is. In other words, this is XFL football, not NFL football. There's no, it's not a supply demand issue, right? There's a, there's going to be plenty of open slots. Assuming they actually, you know, just sell out. I'm going to go best case here. You're probably talking close to a million dollars in revenue per game, maybe maybe closer. I'd have to do the math exactly. Actually, I, I might have that for you. I can pull it up real quick here. But essentially what you're dealing with is a lot more money potential per game in a production deal. And a production deal isn't bad. The valuation of what these games are worth is going to really be determined by the liquidity of that ad you know, sales. In other words, how many ad units can I sell in a really good amount of time, really quick amount of time? How many of them are going to be what they call make goods if the league doesn't hit their goals, right? So it comes down to a number of different factors, but the valuation for game is 
television theoretically is higher. We're talking, I think the number that I put at for the whole season, if they were to sell 100% ad inventory is $138 million in just ad revenue alone for the you know, ABC XFL or Disney XFL, meaning they would split that, right? So there's that, good money in it. That's before the cost of production, correct? So you had to remove that and then split the actual profit. Yeah. And again, these numbers are, are rough. And I want your listeners to understand that there's no, until we know more, everything I'm telling you is speculation. So don't go out there hammering that 70,000 per ad. You know, we don't know what Disney ESPN, they're going to charge for these ad units. It's going to vary by FX. It's not going to, probably not going to be as much money. Um, ABC is going to command a lot more money. ESPN is going to probably be somewhere up close there, but not as much. So it's going to vary. I'm talking just best case, all things being equal scenario. Oh, it makes sense. That's why I try to say we're going to enter some speculation. I understand we're going to talk what ifs, could be's, maybes. And I know people twist words or posts and stuff, but it doesn't mean Seth is claiming this is what it is. It doesn't mean that I am claiming that the deal from the XFL, yeah. STL, we, we're just sharing what's being said, what people are claiming they're seeing, what you know as a bit of an insider you know, or an expert in the area, understanding things that somebody like myself does not, which I think is important for fans to have that information. It's perfect, Seth, that we have this opportunity that we were already working on it before that situation that blew up with the exchange through the uh, CFL Reddit post, which I'm sure you saw. I mean, Can I say something about that really quickly? 100%. Go ahead. The reason I don't think it's real is look at the 54 million. All right. Just to put this in perspective, Major League Soccer during the regular season averages about 300,000 eyeballs. Well, the XFL is five and a half times that in terms of its 2022 um, ratings. Why would you give them less money than Major League Soccer when you have a better likelihood of selling that ad inventory on a larger audience than you would with MLS? It didn't make any sense. I agree. I try to listen to all the shows spread viewership wealth, if you will, and help understand the community that I'm serving better, you know, whether mm-hmm. it be the Mark cast, whether it might be the XFL show, whatever it might be, even the XFL STL talk show. If I hear something that's not in the mainstream, it doesn't mean that I am endorsing or selling it as fact. I'm bringing it out to the discussion because it's awesome that I do because it brings somebody like you out from the shadows that maybe I don't communicate or interact with that frequently. So it's a learning opportunity. It's not to give credit and sell it as fact. It's just to start the discussion where there was no discussion being had. Everyone was, well, what is it? What could it be worth? It's the first place that talked about a number. If it's true, okay. If it's not, I understand, but it started a discussion. Now, if I'm being told that I'm spreading lies and fake news, okay but I thought I was helping to start a dialogue. Again, I'll own my place listen, in the conversation. You and I both know this is Twitter and it's always the first. And I've put information out there. I mean, literally, if you look in my Twitter feed, one of my predictions that I made was ESPN is going to take a, a um, uh, an ownership stake in the XFL. I thought they were literally going to buy equity into the XFL. That's the rumors that I was hearing. Um, so, you know, again, I, I don't think anybody's intentional, you know, you know, you put these numbers out, you hear them from sources, you think, okay, I'm going to be one of the first people or 
you know, hey, this is a pretty good number. Let's put it out there, see what other people are saying. That's what the whole point of the conversation is. You know, my take on it was just based on experience. Now, again, I'll, I'll quickly say this. I could be totally off base too, because there is no information. It could be 54 million. So I'll throw that out there as well. But I, I think, you know, when it comes to this stuff, what's great about this conversation about television, people don't understand it. They look at, like, I post the ratings all the time. They look at the ratings and they say, oh my God, it's terrible. Or, oh my God, it's great. And they don't know what it means, right? They don't understand the context behind it. So what I think is important is that is, is not so much whether the information is wrong or right. It's more of what the context could be to lead to this thought process. It's kind of perfect because I already had another question. I think we just, we covered it. I was going to tell people that in my brief interaction or even following you on social media, that you do have some insights that I was going to eventually tell people they need to follow you. And I think it'd be important. That's where I'd love to have you come back onto the show once the season's underway. And maybe sure. we could dive into what these ratings could mean. And I think we're all ignorant to an extent. We're not perfect individuals that know everything. And I think it's important that we learn from the individuals that do have knowledge and we have a better understanding and we don't have false hope, maybe for a league that may not be doing well or if we think it's not doing so well, it's nice to know that it actually it's comforting that it is. From what I saw from 2020, the ratings look good where it started in the three millions. Yeah, it trickled down to your 1.3 or 1.4s. But I still thought that was solid comparing to college sports that are, you know. Agreed. And that's what's taking those time slots, whether it's ESPN, FS1. That's what you're competing against. The person that's it looking is. for a sports game. If somebody's going to watch a sitcom. They were going to go elsewhere and you can't get caught up in primetime numbers with TV shows midweek. And what you got to look at apples to apples and not apples to oranges, so to speak. So that's where I would love to have you come on and we can dive into those numbers eventually. And it'll be a learning opportunity for myself just because I believe something to be true. Doesn't mean it's the case. Well, you know, it's always funny. I mean, you talk about the numbers, Right. Everybody talks about the numbers and, and I'm happy to. And I think it's great. I should love to, because most of the people, when they look at the numbers, they're comparing them, like you were saying, to apples to oranges. But what does that mean? Right. So my job as where in my company that I work for, my job is to look at something holistically. Right. What I mean by that is if I were to say to you, OK, I work in software. What does that mean? Right. What do I do in software? How does my job affect other people? Now, how does my company affect other people? Where am I in the comparison of the industry? What do my analytics look like compared to others, right? Um, there's a term called net promoter score. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term. So that's essentially like where you are compared to your peers. It's a, it's a very low level understanding of what a net promoter score is. But, um, you know, these are things that, that I look at. And what I love about Twitter, and I think it's great, is the the fact that we can engage in conversations about this. Because, Ultimately, what your followers are probably more concerned about, and, and I'm with you on this too, probably, and I think you are, is, is the league sustainable? Is there a one, three, five, 10, 20, 30, you know, go on and on, a uh, 30-year path, for example, for this? And honestly, it's one of the things that I fight over. It just, just so you guys know, and, and your listeners know, I have a constant fight of deciding whether I should say something that might be painful to some but I think is sort of unnecessary to understand, right? Because I don't want to 
hold back. Like, you know, and I'm concerned about the TV deal, honestly. I don't know if you saw the TV deal, by the way. It, you mentioned, well, you mentioned it actually, but so you did. There's a lot. The XFL signed their life away, right? This is a massive deal. You were talking, for example, about some of the the other shows that may come alongside this, right? The, um, the, the series. And if you want, I can touch on that real quick, if you like. It is an exclusive deal. It is. As, as I mentioned on the last episode I had with James Larson. It is exclusive to the point that there is no other network that's going to do anything for five years. And we're not talking just games. We're talking about all content. They're going to do weekday games, like 30 for 30 type of things, whatever it might be, docuseries. It is very exclusive. One of the things I, I think is important to understand, they even signed their international rights away with this deal. They literally gave ESPN everything. By the way, that's what has also Part of what has me convinced that this is a, a production deal because ESPN is literally in charge of production. They're in charge of production for everything. I made a prediction, and I still think this is going to happen. I think we're going to see content running up until the league start. I don't know what that means yet. I was told from somebody I would say is relatively credible that, and I don't know if it's going to be one of these like NFL, uh, what do they call hard knocks? type programs. I don't know if it's going to be like United by football, but there's going to be content running up to the league. And I think that's good. Right. And what they really want to do, and the league has said this, they want to make it about the players, right? So what better way to showcase player personalities? I think it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. I think the other thing too, there's still one other question that needs to be answered. And that is markets. Markets are ultimately going to determine the television as well. You know, a lot of people don't realize you, you mentioned New York earlier offline. I don't know if it's going to be in a show or not, but you've got some hitmen and, and guardians jerseys behind you. Well, ABC is going to insist on New York. You're not going to put a team there regardless of the fan attendance, ABC, you know, that's a high DMA for them. They're going to get a ton of ratings. I mean, you see it in the NHL with the Rangers and the Yankees, when they play the ratings for baseball and the ratings for hockey, just they skyrocket when you got a market like New York. And so that's going to also determine how this is structured and what's going to air and where it's going to air. So all of these things, I mean, they signed, basically they said, you know, ESPN, do your thing. ESPN's telling the rock probably, okay, now you get us some cities that we can get ratings out of, or, you know, because as much as, as great as this media contract is, it's only as good as what ESPN can sell. And that's really what it's going to come down to. With everything that's been surrounding this announcement and deal, is there anything that you would like to say that you haven't already said or any questions you have for me particularly? Well, the only thing I'll quickly say is I think, I would say, don't worry. I would tell people, relax about the deal. ESPN knows what they're doing. I know people are like, you know, it's all about the money. It's Money is part of it. And there's a lot of KPIs that are going into this um, that ESPN is going to be measuring. Um, you mentioned the digital stuff. That, I mean, they're literally going ESPN.com. It's probably going to be swamped with XFL stuff, right? Um, so there's going to be a lot of factors that go into this. And I also will tell people, you know, it, it's it's a game relax, enjoy it, right? This is the fun part. We're getting to see a league built before our eyes, a league that we've had passions, you know, and a very comfortable relationship with. So I'll be honest with you. I'm excited. I think this is a really good opportunity um, to watch something grow. And I think we're, you know, I think the XFL has got a good possibility for a long haul here. Seth, it has been a pleasure and I appreciate you taking the time and your insight to discuss this on the show. Could you take a moment and remind our listeners where they can follow you 
So they call me Seth, the football, the collector of footballs on Twitter, but it's uh, at 2JoeMaster, T-U-J-U-M-A-S-T-E-R. I do weekly posting of television ratings for sports and other content. So you can find XFL, USFL. When the XFL season starts, I will be there monitoring it and, you know, basically looking over it with a magnifying glass, um, providing context and where it compares to other sports, as well as other stuff, as well as my really bad music career that you can also listen to stuff on as well. You know, on my Twitter, I, I post my bad music on Twitter too. So sorry guys, you got to get, you got to go. If you want the ratings, you got to listen to my bad music. I'm sorry. It's the yin and the yang. We all have our quirks, yeah. you know, and yeah. the good and the bad, right? Well, perfect. Thank you, Seth. I right, thank you. I appreciate your time. I felt it was important to bring someone with experience and understanding of how these types of agreements work onto the show. As Seth and I have previously stated, at this moment, it is uncertain what the details are until more information is released. I intend on having Seth rejoin us once the season is underway to review the league's television ratings. Doing so will help everyone understand them and what it means for the XFL. All good things must come to an end. This concludes another episode of Let's Talk XFL. As always, I am interested in receiving your feedback. So do not be a stranger. Reach out to let me know your thoughts. And if you do so, your comments might just make it on the show. But before you go, do not forget to subscribe and rate the show on your platform of choice. One last thing. If you're interested in checking out our friends over at Royal Retros by 503 Sports, do not forget to click on the link in the show's description and notes, as well as that sweet code, Let's Talk XFL, or 10% off your purchase. Thank you for tuning in. Till next time, cheers. Thank you for tuning in to today's show. Don't forget to subscribe and rate Let's Talk XFL on your platform of choice. Follow Let's Talk XFL on Facebook and Twitter at Let's Talk XFL. Do you have a question or topic you would like to have addressed on the show? Message the show via social media or send an email to letstalkxfl at gmail.com.